Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Psalms chapter 31. Psalms chapter 31. I'm going to read a few passages of scripture and then I'm going to jump over to another place. Psalms chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. If you have it, say, I'm there. If you don't, look at the screen. Psalms chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me, guide me, pull me out of the net, which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Verse five, notice what it says into your hand. I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord. You have redeemed me, O Lord, the God of truth. Now, Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus paying the price for redemption and salvation. They've hung him high. They've stretched him wide. And it's a notice that these words that I'm about to read are the same words that were spoken earlier by the psalmist in Psalms 31. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. Father, I commit my hands. <clears throat> I commit your, I, into your hands. I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. I'm going to speak to you from these two places of, t of this text and scripture this morning. And particularly, I want you to hone in to where, where it said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, oftentimes, I know you would hear these teachings around and Easter is only a few weeks away. And I'm not trying to set up an Easter message. And oftentimes you would hear this passage of scripture if you've been in church any length of time or if you've ever been to memorial services or even funerals, this scripture is often used around the place of death. But in reality, when you look at Psalms 31 and you look at Luke 23, yes, Jesus was stating these words when he was at a place of death in his humanity. But when you look at Psalms 31, David, the psalmist at that point in time, was not a place of death, but he was facing a difficult time. So what I don't want to do is minimize this text or this passage of scripture only to something that we can apply at the point of death. But in reality, there's a principle here through the scripture that we can receive this morning that applies throughout life and while we're living. And when he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I want to talk to you this morning from this simple title, this simple uh, subject. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are. It's simple. It's three words. Hand it over. Hand it over. 
It's time to hand it over. In this particular text, as Jesus hung on the cross, I love the fact that the first thing these is often referred to as his last words that he's, that he's spoken. I love the fact that Jesus, when in this particular place, the thing that he said in this statement, notice he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You need to understand he was not addressing the father that merely knew best, but he was addressing the father that was best. What I love about this text also is you've noticed that under the old covenant, you never heard the reference of God Almighty being a father. He was often God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He was Yahweh. He was Elohim. He was El Shaddai. He was Jehovah. In some sense, it was created that he was a mighty God. He was an awesome God. He was an amazing God. But in some sense, he was a distant God. There, there was a sense of him out there and us down here or him over there and we're over here. It created some distance, a scene in the mind that this God was so big and is so amazing and so awesome and so great that there's only a certain amount of space or a certain amount of closeness that I can get to him. But what I love about this, if you understand one of the, me the first messages that Jesus came to proclaim was a message that God Almighty is not just God Almighty, but to the redeemed, he's God the Father. Isn't it amazing that when I looked at the text that Jesus speaks of the Father 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount, 51 times between John chapter 14 and 17. In the book of Luke, two of the first words of the boy Jesus considered Father. And notice the last words he spoke on the cross, considered Father. And I'm glad to know that the God we serve this morning, yes, he's big and yes, he's almighty and yes, he's great and yes, he's holy. But aren't you glad this morning that through Jesus Christ, that we can have an intimate relationship through to God almighty, that we understand that he is my heavenly father. That really makes a difference when you understand that he's my father. It speaks of relationship. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of closeness. You need to understand that when he is, you have a revelation that he is your father, that he always has your best interest at heart. If I am his father, if he is my father, then I am his child. The Bible said that we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And I'm glad to know this morning that I am a king's kid. I'm glad to know that because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, that I'm I'm not just any and anybody and you're not just anybody, but you need to remember this morning as a king's kid, as children of the most high God, God almighty being your father, that you are chosen, that you are, come on somebody, a royal priesthood. You are the elect. You are the handpicked of God. I'm not talking to pompers in this room. I'm talking to princes. I'm talking to queens. I'm talking to kings. I'm talking to those who the blood of Jesus have covered, have cleaned have washed and placed them into an intimate relationship. Come on, somebody. I'm glad to know that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hill. I'm glad to know. Come
The Bible said, if my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. And sometimes that's a hard concept for many to even grasp because sometimes, let me just throw this in here and I got to get where I'm going and I got to get quick. But sometimes even hearing those words, father, I know, I know what it's like to have to journey through things in life. But see, when we hear that word father, for some of us, it's a struggle because we have a, 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 a flawed filter of a father, perspective of a father, because we didn't have a good relationship with our father. But here's the thing I want to encourage you this morning. I, you cannot charge the dysfunctions of man to the character of God. And despite the relationship you did or did not have, come on, God is your father, but he is not your daddy. In other words, he is not the person that may have left you, abandoned you, or did you wrong or mistreated you. I need somebody to understand. This is why it's important that we come to God and let him heal our hearts because the worst thing that you and I can have is to see it's not about how God sees us my God it's about how we see him because how you see him is how you receive from him and if you think he's mean you receive mean you think he's bad you receive bad if you think he's ugly you receive ugly if you think he's critical and judgmental you receive judgment and crit crit criticism but I need to tell you that is not the character of your heavenly father he is a good, good father. He is your father that sees you in secret and wants to reward you openly. He is your father. The Bible said, if your, your, your earthly father, father being evil know how to give you good gifts, how much your heavenly father will give you, come on, the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout this morning that I got a heavenly father. The Bible goes on and says that he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I love the fact that the, when the scripture said that he said Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He didn't cry out with a quiet voice. He didn't cry out with a meek, timid voice. But when he cried out, even in agony and pain, the cry was a loud, it was a boisterous cry. In other words, it was a cry, but it was a cry of confidence. It was a cry, but it was a cry, good God of determination. It was a cry, but it was a cry that came from the deeps and depths of his soul that he understood. Yes, I may be in a tough time right now, but I'm crying out to one that is about to do something about what I'm going through. So I'm going to cry out, watch this, not in fear, but in faith. I'm going to cry out, come on, not in, 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 in defeat, but I'm going to cry out in triumph. Do you have scripture for that? I'm glad you asked. The Bible said, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God, watch this, with a voice of triumph. Come on, can anybody get victory in your voice this morning? Too many of us talk defeat. Too many of us complain too much. Too many of us talk down. We we need to be a church that has victory in our voice. I'm not a victim. I am a victor through Jesus Christ. Can I just get about 10 Christians with some victory in your voice this morning? Victory says I'm going to make it. Victory says I'm going to come through. Victory says I'm coming out. I'm coming over. Victory says it may be tough right now. It may be hard right now. But a victory understands that this is a fixed fight. Victory understands that we win in the end. But we don't have to wait to win in the end. You are winning right now. If you would just come on somebody. I, I just 
Mm, I've got my foot on a little something, something. Some of us want to be quiet. Come on, come on, see a little quiet. Well, Pastor Javon, I'm just not emotional. I'm just not, so not you, you're not emotional. Let me put some hot water on your lap. Come on, come on, come on. I am amazed that we can get so loud at ball games. And I know there's some huge Clemson shouts in here and Gamecock shouts in here and Panther shouts in here, but I'd be dog and Georgia. Let me throw that in there. And I'd be doggone if I'm on a come up in God's house and sit down like he has not done anything for me. Come on, somebody. I love football, but nobody on that field hung on a cross for me. Nobody that scored a touchdown took nails for me. There ain't no coach on this earth. Come on, somebody that was bruised for my iniquities and was wounded for my transgressions. I'm talking about Jesus, your Savior, your Father, your King, your God. Give him praise this morning and I'll keep preaching. Oh, he's worthy of your praise. Get some victory in your voice. With a loud voice, the Bible said. Tell me to be quiet. I wasn't quiet in the club. I wasn't quiet in the streets. I wasn't quiet when I was living for the devil. And you think I'm gonna start serving God and get quiet? The devil is a lie. I got to calm down. Let me get to where I'm going. Loud voice. I know I just rattled some cage. That's all right. I'm called, as pastor said, is comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfort. Comfortable. Notice what he said. He said, Father, here's where I need to get. I commit my hands in to yours. I commit my spirit into your hands. He said, I'm handing it over. Notice this, but he clarifies whose hands and what kind of hands. The Father's hands. The Father's hands who are great and mighty hands. See, the right hands make all the difference. Let me just put it like this. A basketball in my hand is a brick and an air ball. But in Michael Jordan's hand, is six NBA titles, 14 all-star appearances, five MVPs. I want to just say this, that a steering wheel in my hand on 85 when I'm in a hurry, more than likely or potentially could be a speeding ticket. But a speedy steering wheel in Richard Petty's hands is NASCAR's finest race. A tennis racket in my hand is nothing more than swatting flies, but in the hands of Serena Williams is 23 Grand Slam titles. I want to tell you it matters whose hands that it's in. A rod in my hands may keep animals away, but a rod in Moses' hands will part Red Seas. A slingshot in my hand may just look like a toy, but a slingshot in David's hand will take down giants. It matters whose hand. I'm going to preach this morning who's in. Five fish and two loaves. This may be a couple of sandwiches in my hand, but when you put it in the hands of Jesus, it can feed the multitude. It matters whose hands that it's in. And let me just go ahead and put it like this. Nails in my hand. Might, I might can build you a birdhouse. 
but nails in the hands of Jesus Christ paid the price for salvation and redemption. It matters whose hands that it's in. What are you talking about, Javon, about these hands? You go, no, not these hands. It's not the hands made up of small bones known as carpals, metacarpals, and phalanges. It's not the hands that have intricate grouping of cells that work together that help you grab and touch and feel and even use to slide my notes on this iPad. I'm not talking about those hands. He was not talking about the hands that Satan referred to when he said if you cast yourself off this hill or off this cliff then their hands would bear you up. Speaking of the hands of angels his cry was not for the hands of man either for prior to this moment his life was in the man the hands of man not because they took it come on somebody but because he gave it. The Bible said he was betrayed in the man's of hand. The scripture said with the palms of it, their hands they smote him but the Bible said he was also given over to the hands of sinners. Come on let me preach this morning. For many hours Jesus was in the hands of sinners that, that took him and bound him. In the hands of sinners he was beaten. In the hands of sinners he was stripped. In the hands of sinners he was placed a crown of thorns on his head. But I want to tell you those are not the hands that I'm talking about. This cry was a cry of transfer. This cry was a cry of a switch. This cry was a cry of a handover. And when he cried out, he said, not for physical hands, not for natural hands, not for the hands of angels, not for the hands of men, not for the hands of sinners, but I'm crying out for the hands of my heavenly father. I am no longer trying to handle this with my hands, but this is a job for the hand of God. God, this is coming over to you. God, I'm releasing this to you. God, I'm putting this on, on you. Come on, somebody. As long, watch this, as it was in his hands, he was tortured in the flesh. It was bloody. He was beaten and he was hurting. But the minute he put it into the hands of God, it went from beating and bleeding and bloody to resurrection power that lifted him up with triumph and victory. I want to tell somebody this morning, it matters whose hands that it's in. My question is this morning, are you ready to hand it over? Are you ready to hand it over? Things change when you put them in God's hand. When Satan thought <laughs> was my defeat, but in God's hands, it became my victory. What he thought was my shame in the hands of God, it became my success. What he thought was my way down, but in the hands of God, it was my way up. What he thought he was going to use as a setback in the hands of God, he was just setting me up. Come on, somebody. It matters whose hands it's in. And are you ready to hand it over? People in this room this morning. You need to hand it over. Things that you're trying to handle on your own. Things that you're trying to figure out on your own. Things that you're caring and dealing with and pulling your hair out. Because the matters are still in your hand. But the Lord sent me here this morning to tell you it's time to hand it over. He is able to handle it. He is willing to handle it. And he's waiting on you to give it. What are you holding on? I got to ask you this question that's holding you hostage. 
I'm going to say it again. What are you holding that's holding you hostage? Are you holding grudges? Are you holding bitterness? Are you holding resentment? Are you holding unforgiveness? Are you holding on to your past? Are you holding on to people? What is it that you're holding on that's holding you hostage that you that that, that notice this that it can prevent that's preventing your progress? What are you holding on that you need to hand over? So many people are ridden with bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. Holding on to it, thinking that it's hurting it just because you holding on don't mean it's hurting them. You holding on is not hurting them. You holding on is hurting you. Well, Pastor, they don't deserve to be forgiven, but you deserve to be free. Oh, you missed that. See, it's not about what they, 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 they may or may not, whatever, but in the eyes of God, forgiveness, there's mercy and do it forever. But see, you're more, more worried about them than you are about you. It's not about, listen, it's not about them. It's about you, honey. You're worrying about they don't deserve it. They didn't make that. Da, da, da. It's not about that. You deserve freedom. You deserve peace. You deserve joy. You deserve comfort. And what are you holding? that need you need to hand over this morning what are you holding on to notice this watch this the same posture watch this of my hand notice this with a closed hand watch this I cannot let go nor can I receive notice that clenched like Jericho shut up tight but notice but when I release or open my hand, the same posture of the hand that releases mm, is the same posture of the hand that receives. Notice it looks the same. And could it be that what you've been wanting to receive is being held up by what you are not willing to release? Could it be that your, your receive is connected to your release? You're saying, God, I'm waiting on you to send it. But maybe God is saying, I'm waiting on you to release it. It's not, I don't have a sending problem. You got a releasing problem. And if you learn to release it, the posture of a release hand is also the posture of a receiving hand. But I got to hand it over. Some of us... <laughs> Are frozen toward our future because you won't let it go, 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 let it go. I'm frozen because I won't let it go. I can't progress because I won't let it go. I'm at a standstill and stagnant because I won't let it grow, let it go. But I'm, I'm praying that there is a Holy Ghost defroster in here this morning that's going to melt the hardness of hearts uh, that'll cause you to release some stuff before you leave this service. And when you walk out that door, come on, somebody, you're going to walk out a different person. I got to get going. Understand. Let me, oh, let me preach this. The Bible said this. I'm, I'm going to hurry. The Bible said in Acts chapter 28, I love this, and this is something. I, I'm preaching to somebody. The Bible said Paul was, 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 was building a fire in Acts 28 after a shipwreck.
And he was building the fire and those came around him were warming their hands. And notice he was building a fire for those that were around him, helping keeping them warm. But the Bible said that when that fire began to warm up and get hot, a viper came out. And cling to the hand of Paul, the Bible said. But I love the scripture because the Bible said he shook it off. Notice that some devils don't come out until it get hot. That's why it takes a good heated anointed service. Some stuff will, uh-oh, is that too much for some? Some stuff will stay hidden. That's why you need a good hot service. You find out what's really going on. But what I'm trying to get you, isn't it something that when he got bit, the Bible said he shook it off. He said, I can't let this hang onto my hand. He shook it off back into the fire. And the point that I want to get you, that some of you, watch this, notice that he was doing something to be a blessing to somebody else. In the same, oh my God, but when he was trying to be a blessing, he got bit. Ah, some of you have been bit by the people that you were trying to bless and oh my God and uh, yes 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 but I, I, yeah I'm talking to somebody you've been bit by the very person you was trying to bless the very person that you was trying to help the very person that you was trying to assist and let's come on this morning it's holding you hostage but here's your word of the Lord today you came to the right service I gotta shake that stuff off there's a businessman you were just trying to help you were just trying to be a blessing but you got bit by a bad deal and listen you cannot go back and change it but what you've got to do is shake it off because if you stay there what you'll do is not only when you hinder for future blessings you will keep yourself from being a future blessing because what you'll do is shut yourself up and say I'm not gonna do nothing for nobody else last time I tried to do something for somebody I got bit well shake it off this morning God's bigger than your bite you got a God, come on somebody, that is able. The world says you're in good hands with all state. That slogan, listen, you're in good hands, was created in 1950 by the Allstate Insurance Company sales executive, Davis Will Ellis. The phrase was used by a doctor that was taking care of his ailing child. And later in that year, Ellis and the marketing team were brainstorming, doing a brainstorming session to develop a slogan for the company's first major advertising campaign. And when the group was about to give up one day, he remembered that phrase. And it's been the slogan ever since. You're in good hands with Allstate. Well, I want to say they got a slogan from a natural doctor for a company. But we got a, a promise from a for a physician for eternal life. And I'm thankful for insurance, but I'm more grateful for blessed assurance. You're not in good hands with all state. You're in good hands with Christ Jesus. I thought I'd throw that in. Can I preach a little bit more? Understand the, when you talk about handing it over, you're handing it over to not just any hands. You're handing it over to some great hands. You're handing it over to the to a number one. Quote this down. You're handing it over to a helping hand. 
Isaiah 41 10 says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Somebody needs to hear this. And yes, I will help you and I will uphold you. Come on. This is more. This is somebody's word. Somebody said, I need a word this morning. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. He said, fear not. I will help you. I got to preach this right here. You will need to understand that your God's hands are helping hands. And in John 15, 26, he defined that helping hand. It was called the help or the helper. I'm not talking about Miss Minnie Jackson in that movie. I'm talking about the help of the scripture. I'm talking about the help of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that I will send a helper to you. And it's parakletos, one that comes alongside of you. And the scripture said when he helps us in our infirmities, let me teach you for a moment. It, we often associate that just with infirmities or weaknesses. But what the scripture actually breaks down and teaches us is the Holy Spirit is able to come in and do a rescue operation. And in, in other words, if you are down in a pit, he doesn't just extend his hand to help you. Boy, if I could jump down and jump back up, I would. But he actually jumps down into where you are. He comes to where you are. And Paracletos, he comes alongside of you. And you know what he says? I am here to help. Oh my God, that's the, that's the shirt we got. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. In other words, I'm here to help you. You're going to make it. You're going to come through. You're going to come out. You're going to come over. I want to tell somebody that you got more help than you think you do. I know you don't think you got a whole lot of help, but you got heaven helping you this morning. You have the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I felt like in my spirit to tell somebody, I got you. The Lord is saying, I got you. You're not going to lose your mind. I got you. You're not going to go crazy. I got you. You're not going to cave in and lose it. I got you. Somebody need to know that your God's got you this morning. He said that your name is written in the palm of my hand. Does anybody believe this morning that the Lord has got me? People may have forgotten me, but the Lord, somebody shout, he's got a helping hand. Not only does he have a helping hand, he has a strong hand. Jeremiah 32, 21 says, you have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders. Listen, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. Did you hear that? He said, God's hand is a strong hand. And notice what it did. It brought Israel out of where? Out of Egypt, out of bondage. It represents a strong hand of deliverance. God's hand is a delivering hand. He said, I can bring you out of any bondage, any stronghold. His strong hand is stronger than your stronghold. I am so thankful that we serve a God that's not just a savior, but he's also a deliverer. You can experience deliverance. There is no bondage. There is no burden. There is no addiction. There is no habit. There is no struggle. There is no flaw. There is no yoke that is on your life that your God God cannot snatch you out of. I am here to put my foot on a devil that want to make people think that they got to stay bound all their life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There's a hand that can deliver you. 
you. There's a hand that can set you free. How do you know that? You're looking at one that was snatched by God out of drugs and out of alcohol and out of addictions and out of bondages. And I want to tell you that hand is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be down and out. He can deliver you. Let's preach the full gospel. I'll deliver you. I'll set you free. I'll break every chain. I'll destroy every yoke. Thank you, Lord, for delivering hand. His hands, again, is secure hands. If you want to write that down, he's got secure hands. Notice he said, into your hand, I commit my spirit. It was a Jew. Notice this. This was a Jewish prayer that kids prayed at night before they went to sleep. They actually, when they, when we say, now lay me down sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul will take. Anybody remember that? Oh, I'm the, oh y'all going to leave me hanging? But basically, this was the Jewish form of that. At night, before the little babies would lay down to sleep, they would quote that, into thy, into thy hands we commit our spirit, signifying that we know that when we lay down tonight, everything is going to be all right. I want to tell somebody, if you hand it over today, you're going to get your sleep back. Somebody has been restless at night, anxious at night, staring at the ceiling at night, rubbing your head raw, tossing and turning and wanting to sleep but can't sleep. Yeah, but I'm telling you, if you hand it over today, the Bible said the sleep of the righteous shall be sweet. You can get your sweet, your sweet sleep back. Not just sleep, it's going to be sweet. I'm talking about that sweet snoring sleep. Even if you don't snore, the kind of sleep, come on, that's so deep that you, come on, they call it, what is it, calling halls? I call them all the time. I'm telling you. Somebody said his hands are secure. I want to tell you this story. Are you with me? Come on, follow me. I'm almost there. I want to tell you this story. Say his hands are secure. I remember when we came back after moving to California and the kids had grown a little bit. And understand that they weren't accustomed to the weather that was here and back on the East Coast because they were little kids when we moved. But I never will forget that we were, we were uh, headed back, actually getting ready, I think, to fly back out to California. And we were on our way to the airport. And as we were going, I had the kiddos were in the back seat and we were going on our way to the airport. And all of a sudden it turned black dark. Oh, you know what that means. And the sky was black and the wind started blowing. And then the thunder started booming and lightning flashing. It was pouring down. I mean, you could, couldn't barely could see in front of you. I had to turn the flashes on. And all of a sudden I heard. Uh, 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 uh. And I said, what in the world? And it was my little Sydney back there. And she was just trembling and shaking. And she was just having a meltdown and she's looking in her car seat and she's just going. Ah, 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 ah. 
And she said, Daddy, Daddy. And I said, what is it, baby? I'm looking. And she said, make it stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. I don't like it. 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 Daddy, make it stop. And I said, baby, it's just a storm. No, I don't like it. I said, baby, it won't hurt you. It's just the wind. I don't like it. I don't like it. I said, baby, everything's going to be no. And it got worse and worse and worse. Make it stop, Daddy. Make it stop. And I said, baby, I can't make it stop. She said, yeah, you can't make it stop. Make it stop. And I couldn't make it stop. But as I was driving, what I did was I, I leaned over a little bit and I stretched my hand back to where she was. And I said, Sydney, baby, I said, just, just put your hand in daddy's hand. And she said, what? And I said, put your hands in daddy's hand. And she said, okay. And she grabbed my hand. And I said, I just want you to know, baby, I can't stop the storm. I said, but I want you to know that daddy's got you. And she said, you got me, daddy? I said, I got you. I said, yeah, baby, I got you. And she said, okay. And in that moment, those tears stopped flowing. That shaking and trembling stopped. And, but, but, but here's the thing. Her daddy didn't stop the storm. But her daddy did something to steal the storm in her. Because see, once she figured out that my hands are in my daddy's hands, that everything is going to be all right. And even though daddy didn't stop the storm, but because I was in the hands of my daddy, he was taking me through the storm and everything was going to be all right. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. And maybe you're in a storm right now and maybe you're wondering when it's going to stop. Can I tell you if you will hand it over to God and put your hands in your daddy's hands, he may not stop the storm, but he will lead you to the storm and bring you out into a safe place. If you believe it, give the Lord a shout of praise. The last one before I almost say his hand is a restoration hand. It's a restoring hand. Jeremiah 18 and 4 said this, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Listen to that word. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Wait a minute. Did you see what it said? That he made the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. What got me, it was marred, but still in his hand. Christians with cracks. Ooh. You would think if it was marred, he'd throw it away. You would think if it was marred, he had no use for it. Huh. If it was broken, if it was cracked, it should have just been cast to the potter's field. Oh, but notice what it said. Here it is. So he made it again into another vessel. I know you're marred. But I can make you again. It represents your God who knows how to restore. Even though I may have fallen down. Even though I may have messed up. Even though I may got some cracks and I got some, some, some broken places and messed up places. And we all do if we just be truth about it. But understand that your God says my hand is a restoring hand. 
I don't know where you have fallen and, and felt like you've been cracked to pieces and fallen to pieces and you've been marked by mistakes and marred by struggles and issues and even found yourself doing things that you said you'd never do and you've even tried to disqualify yourself but you can't disqualify you because you didn't call you and created you and create you you can't disqualify what God has chosen and what I'm glad to know is God has a restoring hand that if I fall down a righteous man falls down but he gets back up again the Bible said the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord and he delight in his path watch this and though he may fall his right hand will uphold him I need to tell somebody this morning your God can restore you your God can revive you your God can lift you back up again I don't care how far you've fallen you have not fallen too far from the restoring hand of God somebody need to hear that somebody need in the name of Jesus I just break condemnation I break shame I break guilt I break timidity that people are allowing the enemy to come in and to tell you your damaged goods the devil is a lie God knows how to take broken pieces and turn them into masterpieces for his glory he will make you again there's life after divorce somebody needs to hear that there's life after your mistakes there's life after your failures there's life after your struggle if you will hand it over to the hand of God he knows how to restore you your mistakes are just magnets for him to remake you and as they come to the music Somebody say, hand it over. When you hand it over, real quickly, I'm going to give you three things. It's going to require you, number one, to transition your trust. Write that down. Transition your trust. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Watch this. Trust. I got to trust. I got to trust that God has my best interest at heart. And some people struggle with trusting and handing things over because they don't know what, what is God really going to do and what, where is God really going to take me. But I promise you, notice said, lean not to your own understanding. Trust is required when there's no understanding. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. That's when trust kicks in. You know what? Watch this. Trust, watch this, <laughs> leaves the how to the hand of God. Ooh, I just said something. It leaves the how to the hand of God. How am I going to come out of this? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to make it? How is this going to look in five years? How is this going to look? But trust says, nah, -uh. trust says, I'm going to take my how. And I'm going to put it in the hands of God. I'm going to leave the how up to the hand of God. I don't know how, but I know he's going to do it. I don't know how, but I know he's going to bring it to pass. I don't know how, but God's going to turn it around. I don't know how, but God's going to see me through. I need somebody to hear me this morning. You got to put your how in his hands. 
And when you put your how in his hands, watch this. Trust becomes a transaction. Because he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Here it is. Acknowledge him. You ready for the transaction? And he will direct your paths. He said, if you hand it over and do your part, a transaction will take place and I'll do my part. And that word, watch this, make, it's actually make your path straight. He said, I'll straighten it out for you. I'll straighten it out. I'll move things and reorchestrate things. Ah, God, for your benefit. He said in this word that I'll make the crooked places straight. I'll make the rough areas plain. I'll exalt valleys and bring mountains down low. But you got to hand it over and trust. You got to give God, number two, full custody of your cares. Full custody of your cares. The Bible said, cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. Cast your cares. You know what that means, literally? It means, it, it actually is a description of a donkey that comes down and lowers himself on his knees or a camel and offloads and gives over and gives over. And gives over. The whole thought is taking it off one thing that can't bear it and putting it on something that can. Some of the things that you're carrying, you should be casting. You weren't meant to carry it. And notice it's cares. It's, yeah, cares can be anxieties. Cares can be worries. Cares can be fears. But watch this. Cares can sometimes be about your own children. It can be about family members. Here's what was strong. Watch this. Some of you right now, you got to trust the care of a lost loved one to God. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do it in your flesh. And some of you are frustrated because you tried. I keep calling. I keep trying to tell them they need to go down. I, and and I, I didn't plan this, but my mom's down here on the front, on the second row. And she'll tell you, there was a season where she pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And the more she pushed, the more I went back. But then there was a season where she said, I'm going to give him over to the hands of God. Watch this. Here's what I'm about to say. Somebody need to get this. She didn't give up on me, but she did give me up. We don't have to give up on our family members, but we do at some point have to give them up. Sometimes we can, it, it, listen, we may not be the instrument. One soul's another water, God give the increase. And it's sometimes we gotta say, I'm gonna hand you over to God. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I'm for, I'm not giving up on you, but I am giving you up. And as you stand to your feet, last but not least, I'm going over time. I gotta hurry. Is this right here? You gotta be willing to surrender yourself completely. Some of us, our biggest struggle with handing things over, watch this. I love you, but you're a control freak. You wanna control the outcome. 
You want to control how it happens. You want to control how it takes place. You want to know it all. You want to have it. It doesn't work that way. No matter how smart you are, no matter how, how, how educated you are, and I'm not down in any of that, life can hand you some stuff that is beyond all of that, and you're going to need big hands. Hands that is bigger than your background, your degree, your expertise. You're going to need hands that span the universe in the palm of those hands. And you got to be willing to lay down self, lay down pride. The Bible said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you. In other words, if you humble yourself under my hand, I know how to fix it. I know how to take care. I know I'll exalt you in due time. There's a due time for this to come around. There's a due time for this to transpire. But your due time will continue to be delayed if you remain prideful and not humble yourself. Before Joshua saw victory, he saw surrender. Joshua laid down his life at the foot of the commander in chief. And he said, what's your plans? I know I got, I, I know what I would do and I know what I would think and I know I, how I would handle this. That's what he was saying. I, I, I'm going to handle this with, with military force. I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. I'm great at this. I know what I'm doing. I'm smart. No, no, no. He said, no, 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 no. It's not going to work that way. I need you to surrender your way and surrender your will. And surrender was the beginning of the victory at Jericho. So this morning, what do you need to hand over? What do you need to hand over? What's got you frozen? What's got you held hostage? What's been holding you back? What have you been holding on so tight in your hands? you can't receive maybe what God's trying to give. And this morning, I want to open up the altar. This is what our altar call is this morning. It's an altar call of release. It's an altar call of handing over. It's an altar call that says, you know what? Even while you've been preaching, Javon, I, the Holy Spirit has dealt with some things in my life that I've been holding on to that I need to let go. Or maybe you need to give up a family member. You need to come and give them to God. I said, I'm going to give them up to you now. I heard a word from the Lord. I love them. But maybe, maybe I've been the hindrance. I'm going to get out of the way and give them up. Who am I talking to this morning? If that's you, get out of your seat right now. If you say, I need to hand some stuff over. I'm not going to be held hostage anymore. I'm not going to be held paralyzed anymore. I'm not going to be held back. There's some stuff I really need to hand over that I need to give to God. This is, this, this is, this is between you and him. Come on, that's it. Come on. Come on, come on, fine. This is, a, this is a, an altar call for those that need to hand it over. I, I, I'm, I've been carrying some things I shouldn't be carrying. I've been weighed down with some stuff. <laughs> some of you need to come this morning and say, I'm going to lay down my past. God's greater than my past. God's greater than my failures and my flaws. 
Some, some need to just come this morning and hand over your life entirely and say, I'm putting my hands into, into the restore. The enemy had me thinking that I couldn't bounce back. The enemy had me thinking that my life was washed up because of what I, what I went through and the mistakes that I made and the failures that I experienced. But the word of the Lord to you is he will make you again. He will bless you again. He will raise you up again. He will strengthen you again. So right now, I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to begin to worship. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.